All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live. What is Gucci Manucci's? Welcome to the Half Court Podcast. My name is Darwin. I got AV behind the camera. And today we have a very special guest. Today we have Becky, the credit repair queen. Did I get that right? No, I probably messed it up, huh? Credit coach queen. Credit coach queen. So Becky uh, specializes in credit repairs. You know, if you got that messed up credit, you know, holler at her because she's going to get you right. And or if you need to build credit, you or know if you need, to, yeah, if you need to build credit as well. But um, just talk to us about your story and how you got into this financial, you know, business and stuff. Sure. So I started out going to college and figuring out that uh, I wasn't going to use my degree for what I wanted to do, mm. and uh, kind of shifted gears and pivoted and decided that I wanted to get into real estate investing. And so I started doing that, and then um, it was going, it was going really good until 2008. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had, in the middle of that, become a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. And while I was a mortgage broker, there was somebody that approached me and said, uh, hey, uh, I do credit repair. I can fix these people up, and then they'll get qualified to buy a house, and it'll be awesome. And so I, I, I started sending him business. And he's like, well, I'm out of Arkansas. You're in Oklahoma. Why don't you just start selling the credit repair? And I said, okay. So I got about 10 people enrolled in his program. And then his phone was disconnected. Mm. So that, it was one of those. Yeah. Oh. Why is that so common with, with credit repair people? Because that happened to me a couple times. <laughs> I really believe that people think that the, they know everything. And they're just going to start doing it for people, and then they realize that they don't do it the right way, and then they just stop responding because they don't feel an integrity with what they did. And so when that happened, I, um, I decided to go learn how to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so I paid somebody some money. He taught me how to do it. And then from that point on, I took those 10 customers and I helped them with their credit, and I kept doing it. That was 13 years ago. So mm-hmm. so you've been in the business for 13 years? Yes. Okay. And what did you go to college for, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I was going to get a biology degree. Biology degree. And what point were you like, okay, this is not for me. I got to find something that... It really had a lot to do with my family. Uh, the degree that I was getting, I wanted to either be um, have a force. I wanted to be a forest park ranger, or I wanted to have a wildlife refuge. Mm. And both of those jobs would require me to. Well, one, the wildlife refuge would be like a twenty four seven job, mm-hmm. and then two, um, the forest park ranger. I'd have to move because there's not really any forests. Good ones yeah, in Oklahoma. Yeah. So okay. I decided I wanted to stay close to my family. I was watching an infomercial late one night about mm-hmm. how to buy real estate with no money down. And so I ordered that, and that's how I got in the real estate game and started buying houses. And it was going really well. I just, I was never taught finance. I was mm-hmm. never taught how to handle, um, <clears throat> you know, in my 20s, $40,000 worth of credit cards. Uh, you know, oh, Jesus, three Don't rental properties. That. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah. So with that, is it, so you consider yourself also a real estate agent and also like, you know, financial, like what is your actual, like you let go of the real estate stuff, right? You when did, you, you got into it. the, okay. Mm-hmm. How long did you do that? 
<clears throat> and well, let's see, probably about 10, 10 years, maybe. Um, I, I did the mortgage broker thing. And then mm-hmm. whenever I started getting into the credit repair, I really found that I really enjoyed helping people with their credit because mm-hmm. nobody really understood it. And what kind of set me apart from other companies is that I would teach people how to go build good credit, too. A lot of credit repair companies just dispute negative stuff on somebody's credit, try to get things off. People, if, you're not, if they're not building good credit, then their scores actually go down if you start taking stuff off the credit report. And then their scores go down and they think credit repair doesn't work because mm. they're not taught the other side where they need to be building good credit. I, I am going to get back into real estate because I do understand the game. Mm-hmm. I just, it wasn't the right time yet. And a lot of people don't understand how complicated like real estate can be if you don't have the right knowledge. You know, um, I see a lot of, uh, a lot of like videos, especially on TikTok and stuff, you know, where people make it seem like it's easy to just start real estate. But I feel like you, you have to have the right knowledge, uh, especially if you want to start from a very low budget, you know, um, but yeah, the real estate is something I would like to get into, but I feel like that's, I'm not ready yet, you know, because yeah. uh, you got to have capital, you know, you got to have money to make money. So uh, that's one of those. But can uh, you speak a little bit on like the, because um, we, we've already spoke. So the, how, how many properties you had and like the mess that you went through and all that, just so people can get an understanding of uh, if they get in, they might go through that, you know? Well, for sure. Um, <clears throat> had I had a mentor, it would have been, I'd still have all the properties. Uh, but because I didn't, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, but I made a lot of good, the good stuff happened too. So whenever I first started out, I was living in a property that was leased with the option to buy. And whenever I got ready to purchase it, I purchased it for $37,000. Uh, um, I actually bought it for more, got cash back in the deal. And the property was worth 75. So I even had equity in my property too. I took the money, the cash back that I got out of the property, and then I went and bought another property. Uh, within six months, the property value on that property was worth 47 when I bought it. It jumped up because it was in a historical neighborhood. It jumped up to 90,000. Um, at that point, I refinanced some of the equity out of that house. But what I didn't know uh, that the mortgage broker didn't tell me was that he put me on a two-year fixed rate and so after two years my rates went up and so it wasn't cash flowing anymore I wasn't making money off the property I was having to pay into the property at that point and the goal was was that I was supposed to refinance it again before that happened but see nobody explains that life happens and so whenever life happened, I wasn't able to refinance. And so I got stuck in a, in a spot and I couldn't sell the house because it was 2008. And nobody was buying houses. Everybody was losing their houses. Um, I had another property that I had fixed up that I had rented before I ever closed on the loan. And so that property was doing really well, too. It, I just got in over my head. Um, the way that they were lending back then, they were, they were just giving houses to anybody. It didn't really, you didn't have to do a lot. There was a lot of programs out there that had state, you could state your income and they would let you buy a house, whether you could make the monthly payments or not, because you were stating how much money you made. Is that how uh, the crash happened in in 2008? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. But I, the reason that I know that is because I became a mortgage broker. 
So I got to see. So after after I got into the bad loan, I went to work for that company that did that bad loan for me, and uh, and then I realized all the things that I was doing wrong because I had the back inside. What are all the rules to getting approved for houses? And so that's another thing that sets me a little bit apart from other credit repair companies because I have that knowledge of. Most people want to buy a house. Well, I know what you need to do to buy a house, what to pay off, what not to pay off, what's going to make your scores go down, what's going to make your scores go up. And after analyzing 6,500 credit reports, I have a really good idea. I can take five minutes and look at something that somebody could spend the next two years trying to figure out. I'm going to tell you this. It took me about a good five years to uh, fix my credit, and it was just trial and error, trial and error. And I'm pretty sure if I had, you know. uh, You did it yourself? Yeah, I did it myself, and okay. I'm pretty sure, you know, if I had coaching, like, you know, you would have probably cut that, you know, in half or even less than that because I just was pretty much the way I started was uh, I did a secure credit card, put my own money, $300, and I didn't even know once I had my credit gotten up and I didn't need that card anymore, I didn't know it was like a credit card. So if I canceled it, it was going to show like a closed account, and uh, it did uh, dim my credit a little bit, but then... You know, it was one of those where it's like trial and error, you know, kind of thing. Can uh, anybody come back from anything as far as credit goes? Because, you know, the people go through divorces, bankruptcies, all that. Can one come back from anything? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I look at it as the seven year rule. Um, the statute of limitations for anything to be on a credit report is seven years. So at the end of seven years, if you've got a bunch of negative stuff on your credit, it's, it's going to come off automatically, whether you do anything or not. Okay. Okay. So you have to wait that period before we can do anything on the account, on your credit. Not necessarily. There's, there's options. So a lot of times people that go through divorce and, and things like that, they're in the middle of a mess. I don't sign them up if they're in the middle of their mess. But if they're on the other side of it, then that's when we go to work. Okay. So we dispute. We sp- we dispute erroneous information on our credit report. We try to get as many things deleted as possible, and then we teach people to build good credit. Uh, on average, we get 50% of the negative information removed. Um, people that go through divorce and stuff, sometimes uh, they, don't, they can't afford to fix everything on their credit report, and then bankruptcy is the answer. But even two years out of bankruptcy, you can buy a house. Uh, after two years? Mm-hmm. Could you explain what bankruptcy is just for people like myself that are a little slow? (laughs) Sure. So, and I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, Uh, but how, how bankruptcies work, uh, there's two different kinds. There's a chapter seven and there's a chapter 13. So chapter seven is for people that don't make as much money and they can put everything in the bankruptcy and, um, and then they don't owe anything any longer. A Chapter 13 is for people that make too much money, and they can't do a Chapter 7. So there's, there's state to state, there's different rules. Um, but Chapter 13, the reason I don't like them is because uh, you have to make payments back on all your debt. And you, they usually set it for, up for three to five years. And if you miss a payment... Uh, or it gets dismissed, all that debt comes back as if you never filed bankruptcy, but you still have a bankruptcy on your credit report that says dismissed. And so people get so messed up in those. And a lot of times, you can f- if, you, if you had the choice between a Chapter 13 and, a, and, um, and just doing credit repair, it's better to do credit repair. So you can still file bankruptcy even if you have money? People do that? 
chapter 13. The, the, the chapter 13? Yeah, that I've heard unreal stuff because what a lot of people don't realize is that um, the lawyer that sets you up with the bankruptcy, they get a percentage of that payment every month too. And so say you have, for instance, you have like $50,000 worth of credit card debt. You're in over your head. You don't know what to do. Sometimes people want to go do um, debt consolidation. And they think, oh, I'll just get one loan and make the monthly payments. But what debt consolidation usually actually is, they don't give you a loan. They tell you to default on that $50,000 in credit cards. And once you default, they know that the the credit card companies are going to write that debt off in the next in the next 120 days, six months to a year, you know, before the credit card companies leave and do anything about it. And so a lot of times when they write that debt off, they're willing to settle for half or less of whatever the debt is. So at that point, you can settle it yourself for 25000 And you can work out payment arrangements or you can do whatever. But that keeps you from filing bankruptcy and having to make payments for the next three to five years. If you go file a Chapter 13, they take that whole 50000 and now you're making payments on that for the next three to five years. Whatever's left over after that three to five years, they dismiss the rest of the debt. Mm. So if you just settle it out yourself, you could be done in two. Okay. So you wouldn't recommend the uh, debt consolidation stuff that you hear on the radio and all that? No. Okay. I got caught up in that trap because I was trying to fix my situation and what what i found is that it didn't stop me from getting sued i uh-huh. had eleven thousand dollar credit card that i still got sued on and that's what's wild because like it, it, what happened with me is i was over my head and then my dad would be like just call one of those things on the radio the debt consolidations or whatever and i was like I don't, it doesn't, I don't know, you know, so I'm glad I, I, I went the other route. <laughs> well, and so, so when people call me and they're like, oh, I did that consolidation, I'm doing this, is that really working? Send me the contract. And, and nine times out of ten, they've never even read the contract. Yeah. And half the money is going to the debt consolidation company. Wow. That makes sense. That makes sense why they push it so, so much, yeah. And they make it seem like they're going to save somebody, you know, a bunch of money because they know they can settle it for 20, 25,000 instead of, you know, 50,000. It sounds really good. Can, it's like right. one payment. It's like, yeah. Cause when you have five different credit cards, it's like, damn, you know, so it sounds good. It sounds good. Where does one begin when, um, it comes to credit repair? Like how do, how would they go about just starting the whole process? For us, you just go to our website and there's a calendar on there. Um, and there's a, let's make a plan. And they just follow the steps. They get signed up with the credit monitoring company. They schedule an appointment on the calendar. And then um, there's a 12-minute video that I put together that goes over what it takes to buy a house these days. And it goes over credit and things that I think everybody should be taught about credit but aren't really being taught. Mm. So, so because we do that, then when I get on a phone call with them and we start going through their credit report, uh, it's much easier because then um, they understand the rules before we get going. So what you would recommend to somebody, go to your YouTube and watch your videos before they come actually see you. They could. I know you did. Yeah, I did. I yeah. did my research. <laughs> so, but you got a lot of good information out of that, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when it comes to, like, you know, you mentioned that they don't teach us this stuff. Like, why do you think the system doesn't teach us this kind of stuff to get us prepared you know that way we don't you know mess up and 
Um, like we should have had fifth hour with Becky in school. You know what I'm right, saying? She could just right. be teaching us stuff instead of. Yeah. That's so. an amazing question. Um, and I have all my conspiracies, right? Because I've seen everything on the backside, but it's not really a conspiracy. They don't teach this because if they taught you how credit worked and you had 750 scores, then you would get better interest rates. And banks don't make money if we don't borrow money. It's wild. It's wild. The whole banking system and how they move, it's, to me, it's like, boom. And the more research I do, you know, it's more like... So what you're saying is they just want to keep us in debt. They want to keep us in debt. Absolutely. I actually teach a whole course uh, in, in, with my credit coaching program all about the financial matrix and how money actually works as opposed to how we think it works and uh, why we're conditioned to believe that we're we're supposed to be in debt, that we're supposed to have a car payment for the rest of our life, that we're supposed to spend 30 now, years now paying off a language. house, right? Yes. Like, like that we're supposed to, um, you know, the banking system set up how to buy a house, right? But they didn't set it up on a simple interest. They set it up on amortized. They made the rule. We want to borrow the money. They made the rule that it's 30 years to pay it off, but you pay most of the most of the interest up front mm -hmm. so that they get all their money, right? That and is, so you, yeah. pay, you end up paying three times what the house would ever be worth. Mm -hmm. And then people would get themselves in even worse by refinancing because every time you refinance, they charge $5,000 just to refinance so you, and you start over again. And it's a game. Yeah. So what would be the uh, solution to that? Because everybody has to have somewhere to live. So do you just buy a cheap house or... You, you don't buy, so just because you're qualified to buy a certain amount of house doesn't mean that you should. That's one. Two, if you'll just make <clears throat> one extra payment a year, you'll cut seven to 11 years off of your mortgage. So you can pay it off a lot faster. The idea is to not stay in debt. It's to use credit as a tool to get what you need and then pay it off as quickly as you can mm. um, and be more disciplined. Uh, just because you could go buy a $50,000 car doesn't mean that you should. Uh, find, find the deals. Yes. Take the time because, because if you don't, then you're enslaved in the system your whole life. You're paying a third of your money is going to pay off debt. Yeah, it's crazy because that same money that the bank is lending you, it's really not even their money. You know, it's not their money because uh, the banks are required to keep 10% of whatever. So if you make a, a million dollar deposit to the bank, they're only required to keep 10%. So what happens is they'll throw that money in other loans and give it to other people. And then the more money comes in, the more they, they lend out. So if everybody right now were... So in uh, hood terms, they're pimping us. Yeah. So if everybody at the same time were to go and retire their money, the banks are going to be like, we don't got this. You know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but no, you're I've, I've absolutely done, right. You know, it's, I've done my research on this kind of thing. It's worse than that, but yes, yeah, that's just so, the surface. You know, yeah. so it's it's crazy how how they work. So imagine like when the you know the stimulus checks get pumped, it hits the bank account. You know how much money they're moving around, like four times, five times the the amount. You know, what I'm saying so. It's it's crazy. It's crazy how it works. Can you talk about the whole printing of the money? And because I like how you told me that you were like, money is just like a piece of paper like they print it every day don't trip on it that's well it's not even a piece of paper anymore it's just digits on a page mm. so there's such a thing called fractionalized banking and what fractionalized banking says for every dollar that you borrow the bank gets to borrow 10 so if they give a thousand dollar credit card out they get to lend ten thousand dollars 
So it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's a game. It's yeah, it's a game. And so, you know, everybody's against cryptocurrency, but the, the point the is of cryptocurrency is that it is our new gold standard. And the reason that it's going to be awesome is because it's, it's public. And so they can't hide it. They can't print mm. extra money off of it. They can't create more of it because it's a blockchain. Like there's there's a whole teaching on that too. All right, Becky, let's get grimy with it. Let's talk <laughs> crypto. Hold, hold real quick. Uh, why are Uh-oh. people so scared of crypto? Because they don't understand it. So same as okay. I think you, you when you say people, you make me. Well, that's what she said because she was like people. The people don't like uh, millionaires. Billionaires don't like crypto because of the fact that it's. Like, it's to the people, you know, like, they can't do anything about it. They can't manipulate it, you know, in, like, crazy ways. Like, uh, the perfect example is with Dogecoin. Are you, you know, mm-hmm. you keep up with that? Yeah. That, to me, is amazing. The fact that they made a meme coin. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. They made a meme coin, and a lot of people made money off of it. So, I think that's an amazing thing. But I think that's the future just because, you know, the dollar is depreciating as we speak, you know, every time they print money, every time they print money. So, you know, I think uh, cryptocurrency, I, I like where it's going because each coin has a different purpose. You know, Bitcoin is considered the gold, digital gold. And then you have Ethereum that has a different function. There's, you know, multiple coins that do stuff. You know, you got now NFTs. I don't know if you keep up with NFTs, non-fungible tokens. That's digital art pretty much. So, okay. We're going crazy right now. Let's slow down Darwin. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> What is crypto? Can you explain it, Becky, just uh, for just uh, what is it? It's a medium of exchange, just like money. So, I mean, that's the easiest way to explain it. It's blockchain. I could go back and watch the video that explains all of that. I watched it a couple of years ago. I know that it's the gold standard of the future because they can't hide it. It's publicly traded. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and that's the biggest thing is, and, but you know, I've so heard what, rumors. So if, if I just have a hundred bucks, I just go and trade it into crypto, and now I have a hundred cryptos instead of a hundred dollars. Or it depends. It's kind of like stocks. You're buying. You're buying. You're buying. Oh, see, I don't however know much about it's worth. Either. Yeah. <laughs> you're buying however much they say it's worth. So like like Bitcoin right now is what uh, forty nine. Forty nine. Yeah. It's been up and down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm forty nine thousand yeah. dollars for one Bitcoin. So I'm fascinated by the way the economic and the money moves because you know as we speak right now the dollar, the euro, everything is moving and it's changing in value. Right, the more people exchange different types of currencies, that's how the dollar moves. Um, but it's the same with crypto. Um, Elon tweeted yesterday that he wasn't going to accept bitcoin as a form of payment for tesla because he was a big bitcoin supporter but all of a sudden just because it's supposedly the bitcoin mining is not good for the environment he's all for the environment so he stopped saying like he tweeted like i'm not going to accept bitcoin as a form of payment anymore if you want to buy tesla so that dropped the price from fifty-five thousand a bitcoin all the way down to 45 so that had a big impact and then uh, the other guy, there's another guy that's uh, big with Bitcoin. He owned a big portion of Dogecoin. So he sold Doge and it dropped the price. So there was a big market manipulation between these billionaire guys, but that dropped the price. So with crypto, it's just like Becky was saying, it's just like the stock market. You have to keep an eye on how it moves. That way you don't lose money. So, so you can lose all your money. You can. Yeah. But it's it's one of those where it's like. I mean, scary money don't make money. Scared, you know. I don't got no money right so, now. So, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so, 
I mean, so if somebody wants to, you know, purchase your services, going back to, you know, the credit thing, if somebody want to purchase your services, what's the easiest way to convince somebody that's kind of like on the fence of like going and, you know, because it can be. I, I can answer you that because I, I had somebody before Becky and it was a disaster. So when I called her, I was like, I would like to meet him in person with you because I've, I've gotten scammed and I don't want to keep doing this over and over, you know. So she was actually like, yeah, we can, you know, if that's what makes you feel comfortable, we can link up and I'll explain everything to you. So I basically went to the website, called the number. And then somehow she answered. I got lucky because I think you have other people working for you, right? I do. And then uh, from there, I met with her. She looked at my credit report, and then we got to work. Basically, like that was it was. So for you, what did it was an in person? Yes, she was. She was willing to, and then she explained everything to me on the phone, and she uh, was willing to meet me in person, which was I thought a big thing because a lot of people don't want to meet you in person. So I was like, yeah, you know. Especially right. these days, right? Mm-hmm. Which we do mostly phone appointments now, but I don't mind meeting people in person too. Um, and then, you know, one of my other facets of what I do and help people with is I help business owners mm-hmm. with their business credit so that they can get access to financing for their business. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to have to get a consult a consultation because we need some of that. Uh, we have an LLC and stuff, and we don't know where to start when it comes to, like, keeping track of expenses and write-offs and stuff like that we very what are some of the red flags when someone's uh trying to scam you that someone should look for as far as credit repair credit repair uh when they're asking for big amounts of upfront money it's actually illegal to charge upfront for credit repair so, so that's some, one. So somebody is usually going to just charge you for the consultation and then yeah, so some you sort can, of payment. Yes, some sort of monthly payment. Okay. Mm, okay. So that's the biggest thing. Up front. And then, you know, look at their website. Look at what they've done. See how long they've been in business. See if they have good testimonies. Um, even, you know, there's a huge company out there that doesn't have very good reviews. You just got to go and look and do your research. Um, see if they're with the Department of Consumer Credit. In Oklahoma, we're supposed to be licensed and bonded to do credit repair. And so you can Google Department of Consumer Credit Oklahoma and mm-hmm. look up the people and see if they're on it. Mm-hmm. Look up the Better Business Bureau. See if see if they've got complaints. They're mm-hmm. out there. If they're not doing the right thing, somebody's complaining. And that's one thing I did. For, uh, I already knew you had helped Eric, so I, I already trusted you because of that. But when I went to your Google, I saw that it was like reviews from years ago. So I was like, "Yeah, you know." And then there, the the neg the negative report or negative reviews you did have, you replied to them, which I thought was cool. I was like, nah. taking ownership and stuff. Um, how important for you is to you know create content because you know you have. YouTube channel, and then mm-hmm. you have a camera guy, which you got a pretty nice camera over there. That's her uh, husband. Her husband. Mm-hmm. I, I'm mm-hmm. terrible with names. What was your name again, boss? Rob. Rob. Okay. You have your husband. That's that's, yeah. that's amazing. That's teamwork right there. So mm-hmm. how important to you is content? It's everything. Yes. Because the education is where it's at. The credit repair is the easy part. That's just mm-hmm. writing letters. You know, that's just mm-hmm. making sure that you're keeping up with things. And so we have a processing team that does all of that. It's It's understanding why you shouldn't go buy a new car a week before you're going to close on a house. It's understanding why you shouldn't go pay off old debt because paying off old debt lowers your credit score. It's understanding. So paying off old debt. Wait, hold on, let her finish, and then you asked that question because she was about to keep going. (laughs) No, it's okay. Uh, 
We can stop there. Okay. That's a big one. I'll forget, bro. My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm for no, it's but, perfect. Um, We're trying to get better with the interruptions because we go crazy sometimes. Yeah, we do. <laughs> so if you pay off old debt that's already in collections and stuff, that affects your credit. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know that. So on a scale of one to nine, one being good and nine being bad, a collection's considered a nine, a paid collection's considered a nine, settled's considered a nine. They're all considered equally negative. Mm. So if you have something from 2015 and you go pay it off, now it's a new paid collection in 2021. It's a new negative thing mm. on your credit. So I have people that come to me and they're like, man, I just, I got my taxes back. I paid everything off. My scores went down. I don't understand. And that's why. Uh, and, you know. Should have went to Becky. That's why. I got, I've got a video that I got like all these comments on there. Oh, just pay your stuff off. The la 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 la. Anyway, they were complaining that I gave that advice. Mm-hmm. But it's true. So why would you do that? So if you pay it off and you lower your credit score and then you go to buy a truck and you get a 5% higher interest rate. Now, not only did you pay off that debt, mm-hmm. now you're paying that much more in interest on something because you paid off that mm-hmm. debt. So how, w- how does one get those collection agents off of your back? Because they can be harassing people like all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, how you get, well, legally, you can, you can tell them. <clears throat> I usually suggest that you say, I'm recording this conversation for quality assurances because that annoys them. Mm. Um, and sometimes they'll just hang up. But you also say, I no longer want you to call me anymore. And legally, they cannot send me something in writing proving I owe a debt. Because anybody can call anybody and say, hey, you owe me this money. I'm a collection company. Pay me today. Mm-hmm. And how do you know for sure that that's your debt? That who owns it now? How do you know that that's real? And um, the, the, Fair debt Compl- the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act states that um, once you tell them that you, they can no longer call, they're mm-hmm. no longer legally allowed to call. And they can be fined. Mm, good to know. Good to know. Good information. Um, speaking of debt and stuff, uh, when did you get your college degree or you just said mid? 18 hours credit sh- shy of a credit uh, yeah. biology degree. I- did you still like old student loans and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you deal with that? Because that can be one of those, you know, a lot of like if a college student comes to you and say, I got a lot of debt. Is that something that you can't, there's no workaround for, for that kind of debt? No, I just tell people to get into a payment plan. It's not going to go away. Because that's one of those, it. right? Mm-hmm. That and taxes, right? I, I have a joke. So I say that it's a, um, student loans are like herpes. Once you get them, they never go away. Mm, Jesus so. Christ. <laughs> this, this government, man. Yeah, uh, exactly. And think, think about Think that through, right? This government, right? They... Convince everybody that they need four years of college, right? And everybody has student loans. And they make it seem awesome because it's a 4% interest rate or some low interest rate. But 4% over 20 years is a lot of money. So how are they still keeping everybody enslaved in the system? Uh, Then go buy a house, right? Then get credit mm -hmm. cards, then buy a car. So it's one of those where it's like sometimes you have to just sit back and be like, okay, is it really worth for me to get in debt worth of six figures to make five figures? Like, is it worth it? Because in most cases, it, that's the case. You know, you get in debt, you, you know, you graduate, and then you have this big, you know, amount. Then you got to, you know, you turn around, you're making 80 grand a year, 70 grand. It's like, 
it's going to take you a minute to pay that off, you know, and that's not counting if you get into a house. I think what happens is like a lot of times people don't think about that. They're just like brainwashed by the American dream Mm -hmm. of, oh, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to college. People are going to be like, oh, he's going to college. He's a college graduate. That They don't really sit down and look at the numbers. Like they don't do the math and all that. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on that? They don't teach finance in school. That's my take on Mm -hmm. that. And I know that's a simple answer, right. and it, it really is that simple. They don't teach 95% of the population how finance works. If you knew how money worked, and you sat down, and you really took the time to figure out a plan before you graduated from college, or before you graduated from high school, then you would like not waste four years in college. Besides that, the first two years of college is all fluff, fluff anyway. It's all the courses that you took in high school. Mm-hmm. It's not what you're going to do with your profession. Mm-hmm. And it, that's two years of wasted money and time. And most people don't use their degree anyway. Mm. So people should stop first before they go to college to make sure that that's what they really want to do. Professions where they're going to make money, like doctors, I want the doctor to go to college. I want them right. to, right? Lawyers. Right. And, um, like the people that nurses. are going to be in the professions that they're going to be in, by all means, spend the money to mm. make the money. But look and see what your return on investment is. Or... Learn to build multiple streams of income so that even if you go to college and you're doing what you love and it's your passion, you still have a residual income mm-hmm. on something else so that your your family's always taken care of. So that when things like what happened last year, if everybody was taught to have a plan A, B, and C, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had the disaster that happened last year. Wow. So, you know, speaking of last year in the business, because I like to see what people did and how they prepare themselves for a situation that, you know, what happened yet last year. So how did you prepare yourself and how much did it impact your business? My business got better. Did it? Because of the fear factor. Mm. Like, oh, holy crap, my credit sucks and I, I need a better plan. And people mm. are still living in that. They're like, I need a better plan. I need to figure out what, what do I need to do now. I need to get my credit in order so that I can do this, this, and that. And I think people are starting to lean in on wealth-building strategies so that they do have more than one street. That's the, the Our whole nation is going towards online and figuring this all out. So That's crazy. I think it's one of those things like you hit rock bottom, so you're like, dang, like my stuff is all out of whack. That's how I was. So... You know, as soon as I got the little stimmy, I was like, let me fix my credit because that, you know, that's what I, so that's good that that it helped you out because people need to learn about this stuff. Like, yeah, my cells went up both times stimulus checks came in. But so that tells me that people don't plan. It's terrible. Mm. A lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to think going back to the, you know, stimulus It's you know, you see the culture of people wanting to spend that money, spend that money. I want to buy this TV. I want to buy this. I want to buy that. But had you invested that stimulus check? In Bitcoin and Ethereum, you would have quadrupled your money. You would have had 10 grand. You would have had uh, uh, 15 grand. If you had invested, even in Deutsch, you would have had 100 grand. So it's crazy to think that we lack of that financial literacy because even me, like, I just got it. Well, I that's kept the thing. I, like, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I don't know if they're keeping it away from us. So that's why now it's my goal to, like, Put it out there, you know, like I'm learning as much as I can from her. So I'm like, let's spread this. Let's. Yes. Yes. This is one of these, these, uh, you know, informative podcasts. And I I love it because I get to learn. And 
Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I feel like, you know, with this whole, when the whole pandemic happened, I feel like in a way it was a good thing, you know, because not only that, you know, if you go to like fast foods around the nation, there's no workers. What tells you that they prefer to take uh, unemployment to get paid more sitting there not doing anything that tells you because unemployment is supposed to be a percentage of what you make. But if you're making more off of unemployment than what your, you know, fast food work is, then that means they have to raise the wage because they're getting underpaid to be in a hot place, greasy and dealing with, you know, bosses and managers. And, you know, it's it's kind of feels like it's torture, you know, so nobody's going back to these fast foods. And I think McDonald's went from paying thirteen dollars an hour now to seventeen to be able to, you know, attract some workers because you get no benefits and you you're getting paid minimum wage. So I think that's in a way I'm a good thing. Go that, flipping them crabby patties. At the- <laughs> <laughs> so I think in a way it was a good thing that it happened you, just because it's like, there's a lot of places that are underpaid, you know, that underpaid, you know, people. So what is an economic collapse? Cause I've heard that thrown around all a lot and I don't, I don't even know what it is. That's 2008. I mean, that's where um, people can't afford to pay their bills, so they have to do something different. They have to move around. So So everybody started going into foreclosure. Everybody was losing their houses. It's coming uh, because of the pandemic. Um, Even people that could make their payments because they didn't have to, they didn't. And so so think of that from um, a perspective of – the people that owned all those rental properties where people weren't paying rent. How were they paying their the mortgage to pay it off? So you're talking about people that have put payments on hold for six months, 12 months. <clears throat> yes. And so when um, the CARES Act says that there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff, but when the, what the CARES Act says is that whenever we're not in a state of emergency anymore, 120 days from that day, whatever was going wrong on their credit can be reported. People that put their payments on hold for six months, uh, when that six-month time period is up, the whole amount is due. Some of them are adding it onto the back of the loan. So now you got that much more plus the interest for next however many years. The banks are going to make their money no matter what. That's the thing. So is it, do you think it was possible that, you know, the president could have been like, or I don't even know if this is a president thing, that they could have been like, we're going to freeze everything for six months and they just let whenever this whole thing is over after six months, we just resume as normal. Do you think that's a possible that was a possibility or that's cute? No, huh? Because no. of the business and, you know, America's a business. They run off of money. Money has to keep flowing no matter what. huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Because to me, it was like then. Why shut down the economy then? So will cash be like um, worth nothing at some point? Because I've heard that too. Like people say, uh, go into the whole Bitcoin and all that because cash is, their cash is going to be just trash. Well, basically. eventually you can only give an IOU for so long and before people call it due. And we owe trillions of dollars and they keep printing more money. So who and do we- so worldwide... We are considered the standard for money. Like our dollar is the standard for money. But China keeps trying to take that over. Like the whoever the powers that be get to decide who keeps control of what's considered the dollar standard. So as long as we keep control of it, but 
at some point. I think it's in a thin string right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it is. China's so on your smart. thing, it says when cash is king, credit is queen. Mm-hmm. What you're saying is at some point cash won't be king? Some form of cash will be. Just maybe not our dollar. Gotcha. So, man, that's interesting. Um, talk about inflation, because that seems to be a thing, and it keeps going up. How, if we keep going this way, where is everything going to go? Like, are we just going to be, because I don't think, like, inflation keeps going up. I think we're at 4%, which we're getting close to Argentina's inflation, and Argentina's a pretty poor country. Um, so if we keep up with this, is it going to be, is it, they're going to be a collapse where, or are they going to be more homeless people because they have to go back to Mexico? Cause it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, is, is it one of those where it's like, save your dollars and like, trade them into pesos. It'll be worth more. Yeah, yeah. I ran, I ran from funny. over there cause I was you hungry, know. you know, <laughs> I, you know, I, I can't, that's a whole speculation. I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, but what I do think is that the more that they print money, we should pay attention if a third of our money is going to taxes and a third of our money is going to pay debt and we're living off a third of our money, but the price of everything keeps going up, that's a hidden tax. So we're living on less because the price of everything keeps going up. That's not a sustainable business model. Yeah, I'm going to have to move over here, just move my stuff in because it's getting out of hand. You know, I feel like it's getting out of we're hand. We're going to be like, living in the office. Yeah, living in the office because it's like everything keeps going up. Your eggs, your groceries, we gas. We get us little sleeping bags at Academy. And yeah. <laughs> Got to make it work, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm, it's a little scary. You know, I, I definitely now, uh, you know, that I'm into crypto trading and I do currency trading as well, I definitely keep an eye on the economics and, you know, I on to Bloomberg. I read the news every morning and I was not into news. It's just not my thing. But finance and stuff, I'm. I'm fascinated on how everything moves as far as the economy. So that's pretty interesting. But like another question I had that it came back now is who do we owe these trillions of dollars to? I don't even know. Because it's like, yeah, America's in debt. America's in debt. Who are we in debt with? Like, is it? Well, because you, 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 so the Federal Trade Commission, you know, you bring a note to them and then that's, that's how we get money printed. Well, if Federal Trade Commission's. Mm. not federal and it's not there's a talk so so part of what i teach is a financial wealth building course and um and manuel has that on his phone and it's in an app and it's a company that i follow uh you can and, go in and shout them out it is the first time mm-hmm. that somebody called me by my government on the podcast i feel a little <laughs> important <laughs> uh, what's so, the app the name of the app it's uh, the Life app, Life and app. so okay. it's it's a savings platform, and um, I've teamed up with them. Uh, they're a leadership development company, so they teach leadership, and they teach all that stuff. They teach about cryptocurrency. They teach about the fiat money system. They teach they teach all of it. It's all in the app, mm-hmm. and what's so amazing about it, because it's a savings platform, you actually get um, so many different ways to save money that it's a way to bring that inflation back down. So their goal is to fix what's going wrong. And their, their mission is to teach everybody mm-hmm. in every household so that if we learn leadership in our household first, then we don't need the government. Mm-hmm. That teach works. people how to get out of debt, all of those things. And so that's actually part of my credit repair program now 
Mm. It's by invitation only. You can only be invited to be on that app. You mm. cannot just go download it and get it. So you get you know, invited? So you know the AVIS is a little exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on the workbook, yeah, um, those questions are intense. Yes, they are. They are. And so, to, like, they go down to the, like, what kind of car do you want? What kind of color? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk, talk, can you talk a little bit about that and just kind of break down the simple, um, one of the most, like, the, the more simple questions that people can kind of think about and, and put into perspective? We weren't taught finance in school. It goes back to that. It does. They teach finance. They teach it the way it should have been taught. They teach not only, you know, Dave Ramsey's got his stuff and everybody follows Dave Ramsey and that's great, uh, but it's not sustainable living on beans and rice and all of that. That's, that's good. And part of that is in that financial fitness uh, course. But the other part that's in it is teaching wealth building principles and teaching why you should have your own business and how all of that stuff happens. And the reason that they go so deep in the first part about what you really want is because if you don't have a why, then why do you get up every day? Why do you think there's so many people unemployed and staying on unemployment? Because they don't have a dream anymore because they believe that they're, they're so busy chasing money that they're not living God's purpose. And so that workbook is more than a workbook. It's a roadmap to where you want to be in life. And so if everybody took that when they were 18 years old, then they would have a much clearer idea whether they should even go to college or not. And they would have a much clearer idea, you know. Of what you want. Of what you really want. What's, what's most important to you? And are you spending time doing that versus what you're really doing, which is Netflix binging or, you know, all the things that don't matter? Mm. Well, could you three of the principles? I know one of them was uh, don't listen to, don't take advice about money from broke people. My favorite principle. Principle number four don't take advice from broke people. What are your favorite principles? That's my first favorite. But, you know, even so, there's 47 principles to being financially fit, is what they say. And even if you follow just the first seven, you'll be way better off than you were in the first place. Um, Chris Brady and Orrin Woodward are like geniuses the way that they put everything together. Um, principle number one is not about what you make. It's about what you keep. Mm-hmm. 10%, so, right? Putting the 10% yeah, in your yeah. bank. And- yeah. But that's just the foundation. Uh, most people don't have a month worth of savings if something went wrong, let alone six months. And if, if you think about it, that principle, that one principle, it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep. There's lawyers that make tons of money and don't keep any of it. Oh, There's yeah. doctors that don't know handle, how to handle yeah, their money. Why? Because when they're going to doctor school, they don't teach them about finance. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Celebrities. Like, that's what I was telling you oh. with, uh, when we were meeting. Like, I learned about cameras and how to edit a music video, and but I, I, I don't know how to keep a budget. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm considered my like I'm a risk taker. Like I'm the type of person I'll put all my savings into like crypto, and you know I've made some money off of it. But okay, yeah. So we had those. that discussion because the first principle is like the putting the ten percent up. I couldn't really explain to him how because he was like, "Why would you just keep it there?" Like, because uh, the the discussion that we had was to not keep your money in a bank account because it's not collecting any type of interest. 
barely like <clears throat> zero zero point five or something like that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I was suggesting is to put it on something like crypto. Obviously, do your research and see which one is the one that has potential. But also another one I was mentioning is uh, do, uh, opening a Roth IRA because it gives you a higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. And I think the max you can do on that one is like. Uh, six grand a year mm-hmm. and it gives you a higher interest rate so by the time you get to your 40s 50s and stuff you you have a big amount accumulated that you can use for real estate or you know, just to retire if you wanted to so what is your take on that to take the financial fitness course because it walks you through your your money savings triangle and the first foundation is saving your 10 percent and then you move up from there, and then there, there, there. Once you have money to play with at the top of the pyramid, mm-hmm. that's when you invest in risky things. That's what mm-hmm. they teach, not me. Okay. And it was I made mistakes all over the place until I read at. that book, and I'm still learning. I'm mm-hmm. still I'm still working at it. I'm still following them. Um, I I follow them because they live off a of ten percent of their interest. So when I say don't take advice from broke people, I mean go learn from people that are making money. Don't mm-hmm. don't be over here YouTube surfing. Who's yes. making? Who's doing this? You yes. know what I mean. Follow somebody that actually has it together and they know what they're doing. With YouTube and TikTok, I feel like it's very easy to just pull up a camera and say, "Hey, I'm a six figure earner. I'm going to teach you how to do this." But what proof you have of that? Just because somebody said it in front of a camera. So that's why that- I got tired of having guests, to be honest, because I was like, "Man, how do I know that this person is actually, you know, like if I have a guest now, I want to make sure that they're legit and I actually know what they're mm-hmm. doing and." So when it comes to uh, content creation, you did mention that is very important for your business and stuff. Have you guys gotten into the TikTok field? I always recommend this to all my guests. We we're working on it. TikTok uh, is yeah. big. Yeah, we're it's working big. on it. It's literally. So you guys have the app, right? Yes. yes I think yes. you guys have potential with it because mm-hmm. uh, it's it's one of you those. You have quality, bro. So you, you have quality content. So yes. Yeah, so man, it, if I had all the hours in the world, well, it just takes your phone. Literally, like you, you like if you want to inform people, like if you look up finance content on TikTok, it's simple, but it's very informative. And those people that succeed are giving you useful tips, and I feel like it creates value. A lot of people have been able to tan x their business. Just because they provided value, you know, online coaching and stuff like that. So I you like guys might have to get together because Darwin's been on the TikTok wave. He's I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you guys really I can I'm not a pro. I'm not, you know, but I, I can't I kind of know the code of TikTok. TikTok is fast paced. So you want to make sure you create a video with enough information under a minute. And if you're going to do part two, three, you're going to because you can fit so much in just one minute. So you want to make sure you guys are executing fast paced. Those first five seconds are crucial. You want to make sure there's a lot of key things where it's like you make it about them, you know. So it's a lot of stuff, but I feel like there's a lot of potential just because like like Instagram, for example, it's only followers. You're putting your content out there for your followers. TikTok is different. It has a for you page, meaning that you can have 10 followers, but 100,000 people can watch your stuff because of that for you page. The algorithm keeps pushing it out there. So it's something to consider. I think and I think uh, with what you're doing is just we it's need it valuable. out there because I I follow some credit repair people and they're trash. They're just like showing off their Versace and their Bentley and their. So, like, I mean, it's so, cool, bro, but I'm trying to get that too. You know, <laughs> like, so people when they tell me like, oh, I want to start a YouTube channel, and like I said, I'm not no pro. I'm not, you know, I'm still figuring it out. But the YouTube compared to the TikTok, YouTube, you have to shoot it first, edit, 
upload it. Thumbnail, title, all that good jazz. TikTok is you literally pull out your phone, know what you're going to say, and boom, that's it. Like you, you, you study it and that's it. It's pretty simple. So I feel like it just probably will take less than 10 minutes to just do a TikTok a day or two, you know? So he's convincing me to do TikTok. Yes. Know. I'll be the first one to follow. <laughs> I, clubhouse? I have, I did clubhouse, but it was so much to keep up with. And I know that it, it's good because a lot of people get on there and have like open room conversations. So it was just one of those where it's, you got Twitter, you got you know, all these social media platforms, it's kind of hard to keep up with. So I just, I have it, but I haven't, you know, tuned in too much. So what are some uh, like gurus, I guess, that you watch on YouTube or that you would actually say, follow their advice? They're, they're good people. Mostly Orrin Woodward and Chris Brady. So I follow, I just, I'm plugged into their system, their leadership. So because they're of integrity and they're going to always do the right thing. Mm. So that's the people other that people. develop the life app right mm-hmm. okay awesome that's awesome i'm gonna definitely well i gotta get an invite but once we get the business consultation because we're gonna definitely do that you know we got a new member over here we got uh marcos marcos so he's helping us out and I, the more you know heads can stick to one problem the better so i have a question about the app why is it uh invitation only um because they pay a commission for sharing it Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice, nice. Okay, nice. Uh, some other questions that we I have? I think I answered it. I mean, I touched on everything, man. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. We boom, boom, boom. Um, so. The only other thing that I would like to talk about a mm-hmm. little bit is the business credit. Yeah, Because Go ahead. that's, you know, such a, most people don't understand mm-hmm. business credit at all. And they don't even know that it exists. Most, even a lot of business owners think that it is actually a separate entity from your personal credit. So you can actually build business credit in your business name that will give you access to financing so that you don't have to use your personal credit so that it's not messing with your debt-to-income ratio so that you keep your liabilities separate. And one of the things that, that I do in our coaching program is I teach finance on the business side too. So See, a this lot is of people, a good TikTok. Like I seen a video about this credit thing for business, uh-huh. but you said it a lot more better. You know, so I think just think about it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. so, just uh, how does that work as far as the business? Because like let's say we wanted to open a credit line for the Half Court Podcast. Like what mm-hmm. do we need to do? The first thing that you would the first thing that you would want to do is get set up with Dun and Bradstreet. So there's three business credit bureaus. There's Dun and Bradstreet, Experian, and Equifax. Mm -hmm. And so you get with Dun and Bradstreet. I'm gonna give you a tip. Uh, If you call into Dun and Bradstreet and try to get your Dun's number, they'll charge you anywhere from eight hundred to twelve hundred dollars. It's actually free. Uh, You just tell them I want the free number. It -hmm. takes thirty days to get it. But it's still a free it's, number. It's worth the wait. Yeah, and okay. they'll keep trying to talk you into spending the eight to twelve hundred dollars. They like to spend your money uh, if they can. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you get the free number, mm-hmm. and then you start building trade lines on it. And trade lines, net thirty account, something that you buy, uh, and, and then you have to pay off in thirty days. That's what a net thirty account is. is mm-hmm. You buy something and you pay it off. And so, not all things report to business credit, and that's where people get messed up they're like oh i've been in business for 20 years yeah i have business credit they've never bought anything that reports to their business credit they've never financed anything that reports to their business credit when you go to a bank and you apply for a business loan they'll pull your business credit and they don't even tell you that they pull it but they want to see if you understand it 
So they want to see if you if they know loopholes. that you know how to use it. And if you're not set up the right way, then you're not going to get approved. Mm, interesting. Huh. It's tricky. It's definitely tricky, but it's one of those where it's not so having that knowledge. It's intimidating. Like, can somebody have trash credit themselves and then their business has good credit? Yeah, absolutely. They're two separate entities. It'd be like your credit and my credit. Does it go off of the... Uh, Pay attention. Pay attention, babies, because this is... Is, does it go off of the, what is it, the tax ID number? That's yeah. how they base all your mm-hmm. credit? Mm-hmm. So it's like a social for business? Hmm. So whenever people do my business credit coaching program, I work on their personal credit too. Because if you can't manage your personal credit, how are you going to manage your business credit? Mm. So I, I teach that too. I'm, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be a little scared because I'm due for a, like a credit card with a bigger amount. And I'm wanting to get into one that... Um, gets gives me benefits like mm-hmm. mileage or stuff like that but my fear is like having a five thousand to ten thousand dollar limit it's a little scary because it's like you have that and they make it so simple of like monthly payments you know small you might, payments. you might end up at both bad bunny concerts <laughs> no 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 if anything I'll, I'll just talk myself into saying like oh let me buy this camera it's an investment let me buy this it's an investment and the next thing you know i'm in debt so how does one train their mind to to use credit cards wisely. Get the life app. Get the life app. Take that. Take the wealth building course uh, because it's transformational. It'll change the way you think about money. I've actually went through it over and over and over and over again. I I get finished with it and it's an audio. So I just listen to it again. And the reason that I do that is because I spent 40 years being um, programmed by society to think one way about money. And so if I'm going to learn somebody that lives off of 10% of their interest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reprogram myself gotcha. in the way that I should have been taught mm-hmm. in the first place. Okay. And, and what I mean by that is um, most people uh, live, their, live their thought process where it comes to money 30 days at a time. Can I afford that monthly payment? Oh, then I can buy it. It's, that's, yeah, I had that's, another question. What happens when you get sued by a credit card company? What do you what, what what should somebody do? You run and hide and bury your head in the sand and just ignore it and and then you get garnished twenty five percent of your check until it's paid. Jesus. Uh. Plus all the lawyer fees. Plus the interest keeps running until they find wherever you work. Okay. Just call them. All they want is the money. Call them. And make a payment arrangement. It's not. Okay. It's not complicated. And if you can't, call them anyway and say, hey, I can't make a payment. You know, answer it. Talk about it. You, you borrowed the money. You owe the money. Be responsible about it. Okay. Top three books that you recommend. I just got that question the other day. Dang it. Um, in what category? Let's do that. So let's do... Let's just do finances because yeah. that's what we're, we're talking about. Life and finance, yeah. So 47 principles of being financially fit for personal. Uh, profit first for business owners. That would be two finance books that I okay. know are amazing. And then one that I just finished is called Launching the Leadership Revolution. Okay, nice. Yeah, and one thing I like about that Life app and the workbook that. is that a lot of these books like like rich dad poor dad thinking grow rich like i feel like that would be the first step to like you said get your 
get them brainwashed, but they're not very practical. Like they're just telling you ideas and and stuff like that. With it, with that workbook, you actually sit down writing like questions, like. It's it's actually making you work, so you're actually putting it into on paper, which is crazy. So, okay. So um, we asked everybody uh, this question. You know, if you had to go back five years from now and tell yourself something, what would it be? That's a great question. Um, I actually got uh, access to that company in 2015. So I would have went back and said, read more than the first chapter. So what company is it? The Life, Life app. What? Okay. The Financial Fitness. I yes. got that in 2015. Mm. I would have went back because from that point on, I made about a $200,000 mistake that I'm still fixing. Mm. I uh, got into business with a few business partners. We went and bought gas stations uh, or took over some gas stations. We took over five gas stations in a six-month period. I learned a lot about every type of business funding there is out there. Um, I made a lot of mistakes, and I learned a lot about tax debt and all kinds of things. So I have, I'm a wealth of knowledge now because of it, mm-hmm. but it was uh, probably one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. Mm. That's, uh, that's an interesting one because I feel like sometimes we have to go through those hard hits to learn a big amount of knowledge that we learn nowadays because I feel like, yeah. Well, you, you kind of do, but that's the importance of mentors. So, like, you can learn from their mistakes and you don't got to make them yourself, which is something that I'm getting better at because I would think the same way. Same. I'd be like, man, let me mess up and figure mm-hmm. it out. Well, think about that. That's what our parents want for us is not to us not to make the same mistakes that they made. And so they teach us. Yes. Back in the day, there was um, history, uh, our generational diaries that were passed down that people would read from. And that's how they would learn not to do some of the same things. Well, whenever we started schools our as a society, we quit doing that. We let the government take over. We let the government start teaching our children instead of us. Interesting. Um, oh, yeah. Since we're on that topic, can you talk about how, uh, your kids, how you, the school you told me about? That's pretty neat. So my son goes to a school. It's called Keystone Adventure School and Farm. It's a um, 16-acre property, uh, 13,000 square feet. It's a house that was converted into a school. There's only about 65 kids in the school, um, but it's all on-hand learning. So uh, they they meet the kids where they're at. Um, it's crazy. They have llamas and chickens and goats, and they teach them about animals, and they teach them about all sorts of things, life things. You know, some of the animals pass away, and they have a conversation about mm. that. It's like it's a way deeper school than uh, just regular school. They're, they learn how to think for themselves. If they do something wrong, they stop it. Well, why did you do that? Could you have done that differently? You know, different questions instead of just sit down and do your work. And, mm-hmm. you know, they really work with the children. So they get that foundation that they need so that they have all the skills in them to be able to do things. Mm. Nice. Which is, uh, we've preached it on the podcast before, or at least I have. Like, when you have kids, it's your responsibility to, if you don't like the school system, then you figure out a way to teach them or find a school that will teach them that stuff. Cause like for me, my parents just put me in school and they, they thought that was the best thing. They don't even speak English. So they don't, they didn't know what they were teaching me, you know? So mm-hmm. now our generation, that's, 
that should be the priority. Like, if you have kids and you don't like what they're teaching them at school, then, you know, make those efforts to teach mm-hmm. them what they need to be taught or whatever. Definitely. Um, I think we covered a lot. Yep. You got any other, other questions? Anything else you would like to say, Becky? I just want to say thank you, Becky, because yes. you gave me hope. Because <laughs> I was in a dark place there for a minute. And when I went and talked to you, I was like, man, I can get out of this, you know. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. Well, thank uh, you guys for having me on here. It's so exciting. Yes. yes uh, I feel important or something. No, definitely. <laughs> I think this is a beneficial podcast. And uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you on social media? And what's your website? Uh, creditcoachqueen.com is my website. Uh, social media, Facebook, it's Credit Repair Coach. I don't know about I have people that do all my uh, social media stuff. Gotcha, so gotcha. Okay. I'm sure Instagram's credit repair coach too where i went was the website which i mean if you go to the website you pretty much can find all All of them yeah they're attached at the bottom i'm not a techie person gotcha it's not my thing uh are we getting a tiktok though oh absolutely are we getting a tiktok account yeah nice i'll be on the lookout for that but uh thank you guys very much i'll be calling and asking for advice okay yes for sure yeah Yeah, yeah. definitely like i'm I'm still learning we'll just get on it together i'll put myself in the viewer's position and i know kind of what people want to see so definitely cool. that information is and then darwin will probably make some tiktoks out of this episode too so yes nice. so, yes so i'll send you those so you can start get your tiktok going but funny things uh informational stuff emotional stuff that's what people like to see on tiktok so i think you guys would do great so cool thank you guys once again and we'll go ahead and wrap this up ladies and gentlemen peace <laughs>